0: Hello I'm Graham and I'm Chris and we're two Pet Shop Boys fans from West Yorkshire in the north of England
1: and this is the fifth episode of Pet Shop Boys In Depth, a podcast for Pet Shop Boys fans all over the world.
0: 2023 is the year of Lost and Smash and the return of the Dream World Tour so we thought we'd get in on the action too.
1: Plus Neil and Chris are back in the studio with a brand new producer so there's loads to get excited about.
0: This is number five in the series which as we all
1: know is what one and one make. 1 and 1 make 5, 2 divided by 0, 20-something. Maths never was a PSB strong point. Will 9 out of 10 do?
0: <laughs> that last one is proper niche, well done. United, by a shared love of one band, can two strangers who have never presented anything before spin one pub chat out into something remotely listenable?
1: There's only one way to find out. Right, Graham, I have uh, another theory. Um, let me run it past you, so... I'm going to attempt to make the claim here that the three most important albums in the Petrawise catalogue are Behaviour, Release and Elysium. Now, they might not be the most popular, they might not be the best, but I reckon they are the most important.
0: Well, you know that I love your theories. so important in what way?
1: So, okay. So I reckon, uh, for me at least, every third or fourth album, they deliver something that's quite different. So something that... You know, it might fulfill them artistically, maybe it challenges their audience, and it really challenges the concept of what the Pet Shop Boys record is supposed to sound like. And I think that those three are particularly important because after each of them, they then, after they've taken that little holiday, if you like, they then go back and effectively recommit to the core classic Pet Shop Boys sound. So it's by freeing themselves up and by doing something different that they then uh, make a kind of grand return to what makes them special and what people have loved about them for so long. So, with that in mind, after behaviour, of course, you get very. After release, you get fundamental, and after Elysium, you get electric. So you've got kind of the um, wayward twin, and then you've got the, the the version of Pet Shop Boys that you that, that we know and, and love. That's my claim. So, uh, behaviour, release, and Elysium all points at which they effectively have reached the end of that particular journey and the point at which they then pivot and reset and in that way these albums are kind of palette cleansers you know and they also arguably showcase the softer side of Pet Shop Boys they're definitely I would say their three most beautiful albums certainly
0: So they're P-I-V-O-T-I-N-G, they're pivoting, is that what you're saying?
1: I guess that's <laughs> it, that is what I'm, <laughs> what I'm saying.
0: So when you say back to the Templar, what do you mean by what do you mean by that? Yeah,
1: I guess it's just, so let's say the sound that they established with please, high-energy pop, um, in many ways very fundamental, electric. They all, for me, return in one way or another to that classic Pet Shop Boys sound. Um, and they all sound like Pet Shop Boys essentially being reborn with some form of re- renewed energy.
0: I mean, there's undoubtedly been a formula that's kind of kept everything going for 40 years. What is it? There's 14 studio albums, over 70 singles. I mean, who knows what's classed as a single anymore? I don't know. But, you know, it's, it's definitely true that I don't think during that time they have stuck to one musical sound. And, you know, this this variety of sounds always been, for me, kind of part of the charm, part of the attraction. And, you know, I guess even within that sound of a certain album there's always been the b-sides that have gone sort of slightly off kilter a little bit or there's been various mixes that that you know even if you're not sure about the album there's always this kind of complementary set of records and mixes that you can kind of cling on to as well and, and I, d- I do like this idea of a pivot though i mean it's certainly interesting so kind to talk to me about behavior then
1: yeah, so I, I'm saying behaviour is almost like the end of their first journey. So their journey as songwriters, as recording artists, as pop stars, uh, their four albums in. And at that point, they didn't choose to make another out-or-out out pop record or dance record in the way that, that introspective was. They made something that was more reflective, uh, autumnal. I guess it's a bit of a cliche to um, call out Um uh, behaviour has been autumnal but um, maybe it's just because my October symphonies on there but it's, it's certainly a, a word that comes up again and again. Um, it's certainly uh, older, more personal more grown up and I think, you know, I don't, I'm not claiming that this, this was contrived in any way I think this is where the songs took them. They took them to something that's, uh, that sounded quite different from what they'd done before
0: I, I mean and that perhaps might explain why they didn't kind of consciously make that natural predictable album and you know i think again we're also in that backdrop of 1990 so i think we all kind of expected a madchester inspired album that i mean to be honest everything sounded like at the at the start of the 90s
1: yeah it's, de- it's definitely not an out and out dance album i mean you've got the i guess the funky drummer sound on um, being boring uh, and other um, bits and bobs but I think it's definitely them going where the songs took them
0: if you think about what we were where we were thinking it was going to go I mean they're they're obviously they're friends with New Order you know they're on first-name terms with with Johnny Marr Donald Johnson from a a that I know the Manchester band a certain ratio you know he 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 crops up doing the Liza with a Z rap on results it's so it would have been kind of quite easy all the all the, the tools if you like are in place to make that album and you know, especially just seeing as it was all the rage. I mean, Johnny Mars obviously on behaviour, but he is just so far down in that mix that you you barely know that it's uh, that it that it's him. I mean, I'm I'm guessing that we're not suggesting that it's a conscious decision to pivot. Then it's just this end of the journey and yeah. the kind of natural end. And I mean, I've always kind of thought that behaviour's got there's a lot of personal stuff in that album there's a lot of things going on in the background and know, know, Neil's talked about losing friends to AIDS and you know it's 1990 we are still only a couple of years since uh, you possibly didn't get one because you're a little bit younger than me but you know we got a leaflet through the door the whole kind of AIDS don't die of it uh-huh. don't die of yeah, ignorance do flyer yeah that, that kind of came through we're still in you know that's still a very live subject and, and it, it feels like it's perhaps more of a response to, to things that are happening there rather than perhaps things that are happening in, you know, kind of popular culture, shall we say? So. Yeah, and I, d- I get
1: the impression that every time they make an album, they don't necessarily have any kind of set agenda of, of what they want to do. They just seem to take the latest batch of songs to a producer or to a collection of producers. feels like it's quite an organic thing rather than something that's um, too contrived. Uh, and I think behavior happened to be a set of more personal ref- reflective songs and of course when they then made the decision to m- marry that up with Harold Faltermeyer's uh, sound and you know his analog equipment that clearly he's got that, that collection of they produced something quite special and uh, affecting uh, uh, I was quite pleased that they went with Harold Faltemeyer. I always had a soft spot for Axel F that was the first um, first record that I ever bought was Axel F
0: well, the first record that I ever bought was Kelly Marie's Feels Like I'm In Love. So I think between Axel F and Kelly Marie, I think that pretty much is the Pet voice track. <laughs> I think that pretty much is the template there, there in two records. <laughs> so what's your uh, what's your favourite track on Behaviour? Yeah.
1: Um, well, uh, This Must Be The Place I Waited Years To Leave. That's my favourite track. I like the mix of electronics, the vocoder, clearly the strings, the on his guitar that you mentioned yes it could be a, a sample it's uh, i guess it's got that james bond feel hasn't it which is where the the notion the idea of the track originated um the lyrics uh, fantastic and it's i guess it's there in their range of kind of mid-tempo songs isn't it, it it's not a ballad it's not an out and out stomper um but you know it just sits uh Exactly there in between the two, and you know, really delivers something that's quite powerful. I think, and probably for me, is the essence of of the album.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I love being boring, and but being boring is probably not just my favorite song on the album. It's probably not even just my favorite Pet by song. It's probably my favorite song ever. So, mm-hmm. it kind of feels a little bit kind of <laughs> unfair to sort of uh, highlight it as the as your favorite song in the album. But I mean, I love I love so hard. Uh, Thought it was a great comeback single, and those sort of those kind of keyboards that kick in right at the very beginning of it, I, I, I love those. And you know, and I've I've always had a soft spot for jealousy. I think just that's just a great song, great five-minute song, and the you know the video was brilliant as well. But just just that as a as a kind of piece of music and a way of ending that song, it, it just almost makes you want to just play the album all over again.
1: I think it's one of those where at one time or another. Uh, each song on there has probably been a favourite of mine at, at some point. Um, I, to face the truth, is one that's that stand out for me, and my October Symphony as well. I think that's uh, a great sound, and probably haven't done anything that sounds quite, quite like that before or, or since. Yeah, it's I great. Complete,
0: completely agree. I, I would say that at, at any time, like I said, any of those songs, if they ever come on, it just makes you think. Oh, I just need to listen to the whole album and, and, and then sort of <laughs> dig it out and play it.
1: I'm gonna, given we're on the subject, I'm gonna take the opportunity, and uh, you know, even for my theories, Graham, this is a little bit out there. But Excellent. Ba- bear the the with, bear, more bear out with. there, the better,
0: from far <laughs> as I'm concerned.
1: So, and this is something that occurred to me. You know, clearly I've had behaviour in my collection for uh, a, a long, long time now, but um, I was driving, and the little, the graphic of the sleeve popped up on my um, car console, uh, and just looking at these, these. these uh, four um, photographs of them, and um, you know, just try. I've always thought that it, it kind of it tells some kind of story. And I was thinking how much it looks like a, a, a window. And I was thinking uh, you've also got you know practically if you were thinking I don't know if it's binary or whatever, but you're thinking of every combination of um, pet shop boys. You've got you've got you've almost got two. You've got one. You've got zero, and you've got minus one as well with the back of the head. So I, I thought there's something. Uh, There's almost a story here, and and there's something mathematical at at work as well. And then it it dawned on something that I remembered from university, which obviously is going back a little bit now, um, which is, and I don't know if I'm not claiming that this is what it is, but it might in some way have been a, a subconscious influence. I don't know if you've ever heard of Jahari Windows,
0: I think I probably should with doing a kind of communications degree but Uh, I'm gonna I'll just say yes uh, I do yeah (laughs) but I kind of
1: so so, and I think the word Jahari I think that's just um, John and Harry who made up this particular (laughs) model but it's a model that's used to self-assess behavior and relationships with others so that's you know an immediate thematic fit with the album title so you know that was the first thing that made me think I might be onto at least a little bit of something and so Jahari Windows is this model, and if you Google it, you'll see. And I've printed out a, a little uh, a thing for you to look at, um, and I've, I'm putting it next to the sleeve so you, so you can see here. Um, so there's loads on the web about the model if you you know want to um, indulge me and, and have a Google. But what struck me was how neatly each of the four photographs, um, which are arranged as a window on the album sleeve, fit with each of the Jahari panes. So open which is the information that we share with others, that's both Neil and Chris facing forward. Hidden, that's what we um, keep to ourselves, so it follows that that's the back of Chris's head. Blind spot, so that's the things that we're blissfully aware of, but uh, you know, everyone else gets to see about us, that's the opposite, so that's the front of Neil's head. And then unknown is the opposite to open, and that's the empty frame, so You've indulged me long enough, there, Graham. That's uh, my um, crazy theory about um, the behaviour sleeve. But do me a favour, have a look, have a Google it, uh, when you get home, and, uh, and and see if you think it holds water at all.
0: I do, and I'm admiring the fact that you've you've brought the album in and you've brought it in <laughs> on vinyl as well. Which I, I'm just thinking, I don't think I've ever seen it on vinyl. I think it's probably the first album that I bought on CD. So I oh, don't yeah. I don't own it on vinyl, and I've, it's the first time I've seen it. And it, and the, the pictures look 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 great, sort of slightly bigger than they do on the CD. So. It does
1: look good, doesn't it? It was the first album that I, you know, I, I moved from cassette to um, uh, CD to, for Behaviour. That was the first one that I uh, bought on CD as well.
0: I'm interested that you sort of highlight the, the, the hidden bit which you refer to as with the back of Chris's head and I'm I'm just trying to think whether or not up to this point Chris had ever appeared almost in public without a hat on. <laughs> right. And, uh, Again, perhaps that hidden area. I mean, obviously quite shy and and kind of not particularly favouring the live limelight. But to actually appear there without a hat on as well, sort of seems kind of very christened. Sort of seems to fit with with that.
1: It's it's almost yes. I'll take my hat and glasses off, but you're gonna only see the back of my head.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, you you sort of said it has been a sort of like a little story, and I think that's that's probably how I always sort of saw it, and I've always it was like a little photo store a little photo montage and I, i've always sort of felt that the each of the songs somehow fits either kind of directly with some of the images or, oh, or yeah. kind of that that theme of it so mm-hmm. but but i do like your your theory and it is very very hard to disprove and it's, it's very on brand with our in-depth discussion <laughs> and so uh it's uh it's definitely yeah uh, it definitely gets a, a, a thumbs up from that i think the best insight that i can give you on, on behavior is it the it's the only album that features only one piece of punctuation, and oh, okay. the, the full stop after behavior. I think that's 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 my level of uh, of, uh, of in depth insight that you're getting. I'm afraid. And,
1: uh, I did read that um, Neil. It's, in fact, I'm surprised when they reissued it that they didn't remove the full stop because apparently Neil's. Uh, uh, Neil had said, "Oh, it shouldn't really actually have one because it's not a full sentence. It doesn't need a full stop." So um, I couldn't remember if they'd removed it or not, but it's still still there on the reissue anyway.
0: Absolutely. And can you name the other two? Well, there's there's two other albums that both feature punctuation. With can punctuation. You?
1: Yeah. Oh, Pet Shop Boys actually. Actually, oh, I yeah. Love
0: that. Yeah, a comma and a full stop.
1: Okay. And uh, what, what's the other?
0: And the other one is yes, comma, Pet Shop Boys, full stop. Uh, so. Whites flip that way. Whites a comma and not a semicolon. I don't quite know. I'm it doesn't
1: sure. doesn't quite do it for me. Yes, pet shop boys. It's not not as neat as um pet shop boys. Please, no, uh, pet shop boys. And,
0: actually, and, and I mean maybe a semicolon isn't kind of graphically nice enough on the screen as well. So uh.
1: I guess just thinking about where their uh, kind of music careers going at this point, you, you get the sense that they're worried. Um, certainly, if you read pet shop boys versus America, they sound. Um, slightly worried with how the singles are, are progressing. They're the stalling outside the top ten uh, for the first time. They, um, you can tell that they brought forward what seemed like an emergency cover version of "Where the Streets Have No Name." I think they had it. It was they were going to do it with Patsy Kensit originally, um, and then, which would have been interesting, and then uh, decided to keep it for themselves and. Uh, hold it back for for the greatest hits, but they clearly um, felt that they needed something and brought that forward. I was always quite surprised, um, given the number of ballads on behaviour, slower songs, and when they, if they were looking for something different and potentially something that could um, revive the fortunes of the American market, why they didn't make more of How Can You Expect to Be Taken Seriously. Clearly they got Brothers in Rhythm to remix it, and if you think of the brothers Brothers in Rhythm sound from from those radio yeah. shows, um, what they got back wasn't quite like that. In fact, they'd slowed it down, and it was um, you know far more in tune with with the sound of behaviour. So I do wonder if that was a little bit of a missed opportunity. The one track that was you know had the kind of electro swing beat influence to it was um, kind of denied that by the Brothers in Rhythm mix as much as I like it, but. Um, it would have been interesting to see what else they if it had been a more conventional mix of that particular version, um, but you know it did see that whatever they were doing, it, it wasn't quite cutting through and, and getting that commercial success. Uh,
0: uh, uh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's again, it's, just, it's that sort of strange time. So I guess we end up with uh, as part of that greatest hits, we end up with DJ culture. Uh, was it worth it? Uh, I, I, I guess it was. You know, it's always a to us to write some, uh, right, right. Can you just knock That's off right. two new songs that uh, actually are going to be greatest hits and kind of live in the canon forever?
1: Yeah, you've got 16, um, practically top top 20 hits here. Can you just knock out another two and we'll <laughs> stick them on the end? Yeah,
0: <laughs> so I always thought that DJ culture had got that kind of wah wah guitar that could have been on behave, could have been on behavior, uh, actually was perhaps starting to sound a little bit like I would perhaps have expected it to be with that sort of Manchester jangly guitar type uh, time sound and mm. I think Was It Worth It, it uh, as much as I love the the kind of the, the shouted who and what uh, it, it always just sort of felt like it was a bit of an ironic joke really and that it, it kind of was yeah this is great I'm going to write a song called Was It Worth It because you'll get to the end of the great hits and you'll get a song called Was It Worth It and that's very Pet Shop Boys but I'm not sure whether or not it's kind of held up perhaps
1: yeah I, I, I like it I, I like the I agree there's a bit of a, a joke there isn't there, at the the uh, end of the greatest hits um, but I, I do I do know that um, I think even they think that the production sounds slightly uh, not quite what it could have been I like it it's a uh, it's kind of from their stock A and waterman range of yeah, songs isn't it
0: definitely yeah
1: I think they're also at this point uh, if they're struggling, commercially I think they're also struggling with what they looked like as a pop act how they presented themselves I think Niels called out how um, he saw a playback of them doing being boring on dance energy um, and uh, that was a bit little bit of a low point for them and uh, they probably felt that they'd done the um, the, the classic present, uh, Pet Shop Boys presentation to death, so one of them behind a the microphone, the other behind the keyboard. Um, they've done that for a long time now and we're probably looking again for, for new ways of presenting themselves. So basically, they'd gone as far as they could with this version of Pet Shop Boys, moving away from the template that they kicked off with Please. And this is where I'm claiming that they pivot, so it was time um, for them to recommit to the Pet Shop Boys sound. And that ultimately um, resulted in very, and it's all there in the title, isn't it? Very Pet Shop Boys. It's a statement of intent. And um, I think this is the first time, if you like, that they're, they're even going back to the producer of Please. They've got um, Stephen Hagen to, to co produce alongside themselves.
0: I mean, perhaps not to let too much light in on the magic, but uh, we do do a little bit of prep for this. and. Uh when you said that I, I don't think I ever knew that Stephen Hague produced Ferry. I don't know why I've never looked I don't know whether I did know and just forgotten mm. but it's gone up even further in my estimation now it, it was pretty high anyway but to, 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 to hear that it's like oh crikey I didn't I didn't know that
1: I think it's I think it's additional production isn't it that is not it that he's credited for um, and maybe this is uh, I suspect this is the first time that Pet Shop Boys have produced, certainly the first time that they've produced an album themselves. Um, uh, I thought it was interesting that the I think the balance of credits is them with additional right. production by, by Stephen Hague. And I think between them, they came up with a sound that was quite unique and of its time, and it's this um, computer sound, uh, for me anyway, which is... Uh, particularly evidence on tracks like Young Offender, uh, Yesterday When I Was Mad, maybe a different point of view. It's got those... It sounds like a computer game, which obviously fits lyrically with Young Offender, um, but it sound, because of that, because it's echoing that technology, it sounds young, and, uh, you know, it's hyper-pop, isn't it?
0: I, I love that description, hyper-pop, yeah. It's a great description. I mean, you talk about the being boring on dance energy which is a a, just a great phrase in in itself but I think there's another shift kind of (laughs) visually as well and kind of pivoting visually where we've got this kind of computer generated approach now which you know looking at it now maybe looks a little bit sort of slightly dated but I think at the time enabled them to manage that transition for well how do we present ourselves how are we going to be on top of the pops how are we going to be kind of in our videos and you know that I guess it's that transition from that Imperial stage to this whatever this next stage is going to become but maybe there's just a little bit more kind of self-reflection self-realization of of, of where they are how old they are where they fit within this what the what the rest of pop is looking like and I think it it starts to usher in this period of of alter egos you know where they can kinda sit a little bit back in the background and all of a sudden these visuals and these costumes are up front so we've got these red and white cones of very, Yeah, you know we've we've got that typography or black and white imagery that's knocking around in in bilingual and and then by the time we get to nightlife we've got this you know ginger hair wigs big eyebrows dogs yeah big suits it's 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 kind of it's it's all about look at the presentation and perhaps a little bit less look at us I, I
1: love um, I love the way that they came back with those um, you know the dunces hats and the the orange jumpsuits for very i remember seeing them in enemy for the first time and just thinking um you know they were always slightly out there now they were you know they were really out there and it matched the uh, the sound of the album as well
0: i think it's that's the thing isn't it And, and, and i think again we keep talking about these reasons why we we like being fans of them it's it doesn't look in any way data that whilst the computer generated stuff yeah. does. Mm-hmm. But the those images around the caps, you know, they, they, they don't look dated at all. It's still kinda of quite contemporary and, yeah. you know, and I think that's because, you know, in terms of stylists and, 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 and people that they work with, they're just the best that you can get. And they you know, they're the they've got that talent and they can identify things that are maybe not necessarily Fashionable, That's but are right. actually going
1: to sort of just last the test of time in a yeah. classic look. Yeah, it's 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 outside of fashion, isn't it? It's presenting themselves as being um, part of uh, their own world, essentially. So let me just pull it back to um, the essence of of the argument of the theory. Um, which is the importance of behaviour because it's the enabler for for Very. So it was the album which freed them up to return to that template and effectively recommit to Pet Shop Boys fundamentals. It gave them it gave them a number one album with Very. Yeah. If you think about, it, it's got Go West on there, which you know uh, you can only imagine being on <laughs> Very. Doesn't really fit anywhere else. Um, and you know that was a number two hit. So they've achieved commercial success through through this as well which was maybe waning uh, and um, let's not forget relentless as well so not only do you get this amazing um, piece of work that, that attached to it there's another amazing piece of work which allowed them to if very was them um, recommitting to the pop template, then Relentless was almost picking up where Introspective went off with uh, helping them scratch that kind of experimental itch.
0: I'm gonna resist talking about Relentless because I could yeah. do a whole hour on that alone. So uh, so, so, after Vere, we've got Bilingual, we've got Nightlife, but it's Release that you're calling out as the next one?
1: Yeah, I, I think so. So that's, you know, it's the second of the kind of set of the softer albums. And if, again, if you think of this story, so they had Very, and then you've got bilingual and nightlife, as you say, further explorations one way or another of this Very template, arguably with diminishing returns. Um, when by the time you get to nightlife, they're on their uh, world tour, but you know the, the UK arenas certainly were half empty. They had this uh, issue where in the background, that uh, Harvey Goldsmith, the promoter's company's gone bankrupts so they are essentially trekking around the globe but using, losing a fortune. Famously, this is the point where um, Neil moots the idea of, of splitting up to, to Chris, who of course uh, do, doesn't answer but instead changes the subject probably to where we're going for dinner. Or, or, I feel like
0: it? I should add a, an allegedly at the end of that, <laughs> at the end of that <laughs> in case any of that was... Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. But I guess we're also, by the time we get through nightlife and we're, we're hurtling towards release we're, we're in a new century as well aren't we and release obviously, sure. the first first album of the of the millennium and you know it's very stripped back it's a different tone uh, although I do always find it interesting with the, the further listening release of, of just the volume of songs that they're clearly creating yeah. at this time you know there's it's clearly a creative period of time for them
1: yeah like you say there's uh, in the reissue you've got uh, an extra two discs of of material alongside the album haven't you and it's not all um, obviously the album is this stripped back acoustic sound but it's not all stripped back and acoustic uh, is it it's There are the electronics on there, and that was the thing that I was, because it'd been so well trailed that this was the kind of Pet Shop Boys guitar album when I heard it for the first time. Um, Songs like uh, London, uh, The Samurai in Autumn, Here, which are all essentially, um, you know, haven't strayed too far from the the classic Pet Shop Boys sound. Um, I think it's a, a fantastic album.
0: I think release's got this feel that they're just they're confident in their own decision making and you know they you know if you look at the tracks that are left off that and you know confident to a point where you know they can go out and tour they can take members of spiritualized out there with them uh, I, I, we, don't,
1: I haven't clocked that that they were um, members of spiritualized yeah and it's just
0: you know and they you know again they're making their songs completely different you know and I'm not sure whether or not it was ever going to find them a new audience I'm not sure about that but I think you know certainly you know they're going out on the 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 university tour yeah
1: so you know it, did, did you go to did you go to that I went to Middlesbrough okay
0: yeah uh, which was you know I think I, I think it was pretty much full of just all the people that would have been at Manchester <laughs> Arena but we just had to travel an extra an extra hour uh, yeah to uh, up the A19 uh, uh, and we always had to I mean I took Queue for about an hour to get in. It was absolutely okay. freezing. All the, these are the, all, all the memories, and I think I, for whatever reason, I, I seemed to be at the back of the queue, and I, I, we'd been there really early oh, yeah. but because I'd lived up there, and I, I we went and had a quick tour of where I used to live, and kind of by the time we got to the venue, they were queuing round the block for it. So I spent most of the gig right at the back of it. So did you see that tour? I, well?
1: I went to I went to Leicester. I think my memory is that they announced the enemy. Gig they did an an enemy awards show um, in London, which I got a ticket for, and then the next thing they seemed to do was announce a warm up for that, which was the one in Leicester. And I thought, oh, you know that that feels even better, even smaller, even more exciting. So I got a ticket for Leicester. So those were the two that I went to. You're right, it was quite a radical reinterpretation of their uh, songs. I remember, I mean, if you were to think of what's the most unlikely track that they'll open with. Disco potential—the one you know, of the B-sides from somewhere—which uh, you know I would never have second-guessed them on on that one. But you know, I do remember those as being uh, exciting concerts.
0: Uh, well, I my abiding memory of it is, and I've never seen this clarified anywhere. There doesn't seem to be any record of it whatsoever. But I vaguely remember as an encore they did uh, "Do Anything You Want to Do" by Eddie and the Hot Rods. Uh, I
1: th- so i'd forgotten that that was middlesbrough i wasn't at middlesbrough but i think that's their only ever uh, performance of that track so yeah you definitely had an exclusive there so tell me because i've never spoken to anyone that's (laughs) heard it before um was it good well i think it was like i say it's
0: now in a place because we went to these concerts before we had mobile phones before anybody took yeah. a phone mobile phone from it and, and 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 because they were relatively small concerts nobody seemed to have you know there's no record of it it's it's very difficult on even on sort of somewhere like set list to sort of see whether that so i don't even know whether this song exists or whether i've just dreamt it but uh, i think it was done quite uh quite straight really mm. you know quite y drummy—that's I, I, mm. all that I really that I remember of it. But I, I uh, guess
1: they had the band there. It would have probably been a, a band sound uh, rather than something that was, a, you know, an electronic reinterpretation of it.
0: Well, they did. Uh, I think there's a—they do glad all over or somewhere in Blackpool. That's right.
1: I did see that one. Did you see that? No, yeah. Right. Well,
0: <laughs> so it, it feels like it's in a, a mm. similar sort of vein yeah. to that from again. From my memory,
1: admit, although they did go on and kind of recorded that one, yes. whereas uh, this one, Eddie and the Hot Rods, Eddie it? and the Hot Rods, That's, yeah, uh, clearly being consigned to the um, Apple Mac trash can, hasn't
0: it? Well, I know, but uh, you know, if if, if anybody has a, a kind of an MP3 of that, I'm more than happy <laughs> to, uh, to 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 listen to that. Uh, there's also the Peel Session around that time, That's right, which yeah. again was kind of quite seemed quite exciting and quite yeah. different and quite at odds to what you perhaps would have expected to do and you know, I think some of the best bits of that peel session are just John Peel's introductions and outros, yeah. and, and berating listeners who have sort of rung in or sort of sort of texted in, if perhaps that was around at the time, uh, to sort of say why are the Pet Shop Boys on this yeah. show? This should be we should be listening to sort of in German industrial techno bands, and it's like show uh, i right. say
1: something like if if they were uh, an obscure group from Belgium, then you'd, you'd be loving absolutely. it. so you know. No, that's quite cool that he was uh, endorsing them in in that way. I remember um, recording those for tracks onto my mini disc player so that's the gives you a sense of where, where we were uh, uh, well in terms I've, of
0: I, I've got them burnt onto a, uh, a cdr somewhere mm. and uh, yeah sort of recorded i don't even know how i recorded them on <laughs> digi i'm not sure i know how to do that now but uh, needs most
1: so back to the point in hand uh graham so yeah. what i'm saying is the important thing about release is you know this is the second time that it's allowed them to then pivot and return to the template and that was fundamental um again the back with a legacy producer so they've got trevor horn back this time the electronics are back in full force it's pop songs um, you know, it's there in the name. It's a recommitment to the Petrol Boys fundamentals. I think they talked about it at the time as, you know, this is the album from the from the band that brought you "It's a Sin," and that's evident in tracks, you know, like "Integral" and "Sodom and Gomorrah Show" and uh, "I'm with Stupid." That kind of bombastic pop sound. Well, what do you? What did you make of fundamental?
0: Well, I think you you sort of said before this reborn with renewed energy, and that there certainly is that. I find. So as we've been talking and we're talking about these kind of pivot albums being maybe sort of slower and more contemplative, uh, I find Fundamental a little bit of a strange album in that I find it kind of a little bit of a half and half a little bit of a hybrid album. Uh, I think it starts fantastic but then I really feel that the I made my excuses and left just changes the pace it just it's like driving along and suddenly you're in. You drop in a gear, and it it just slows everything down. And
1: too too, too early in the track order for th- such a, so. an epic ballad. Yeah,
0: and I don't know where you would put it, and I don't know how you would restructure the album. But I think that there's a there's a few of those pacing issues in there. I think the second side is really really upbeat, and you know it's got some great great songs on there. But just feel that the sort of songs like let's say i made my excuses 20th century Luna park they are these indefinite leave to return they are these epic epic ballads and you know we're going to talk a little bit about elysium and i almost feel like they could have sat more on on that and actually this album half of it could have been on very and half of it could have been uh-huh. on on elysium and
1: I think the it's interesting you say about the track order because I think there was a, an original um, pro mode track order which was kicking off with God willing, which I think would have made a better intro than halfway through, but then straight into I think the track's minimal. So, um, you know, they did have uh, a, a more obvious um, track listing that, that, that they were originally heading towards. Having said that, I do love um, psychological as as an opener, um, and you, you called out Lunar Park in 20th Century, I think 20th Century is a really underrated track of theirs, I think that's, that sounds fantastic. Um, Shame, Integral was never a single, you know I think that, that they overlooked, uh, I think they maybe purposefully chose to overlook it uh, because it was such an obvious one but I think that would have made a, a brilliant first track for them to come back with.
0: Yeah and I must admit that the the fundamentalism that kind of came with oh, yeah. sort of came out with the album at the uh, sort of on release I think that's really really good you know I think that that sort of Trenton Muller <laughs> mix on uh, on on uh, I think it's either Sodom or Gomorrah one of the two uh, I think that's great I mean that that's kind of what I always imagine the Bergen nightclub in Berlin sounds like uh, oh, yes.
1: So back to my core argument here. Release was the album which freed them up to make fundamental. Um, so you know the second point at which they, they pivoted, uh, if you like. You got, then you got to think where they went next. Obviously, they had they were the album yes, which is essentially them sticking with that pop template. So they're still going down the same path. Um, is it commercially successful well things like love tracks like love etc were were um charting the christmas ep so just uh, following yes i think that was the last time that they hit the top 40. um and then about a year later i think you've got together and by this time there and this was the track that was uh, and the only new track on the ultimate greatest hits Um, by this time they're definitely not troubling the the top 40 it's interesting you you there's a couple of readings of the together lyrics clearly it could be a a straightforward love song together will go all the way if you look at it through the lens of a suicide pact it it stacks up quite quite well as well so you know have you got this notion of them again killing off this particular um, version of Pet Shop Boys um, and then, where where do you go um, post suicide? You're, you're in Elysium. You're in the afterlife. You, you know you've been liberated by you've been liberated by this um, pop journey, and you are heading into kind of uh, again this softer side of Pet Shop Boys. This um, the the end of the journey. You're in um, purgatory or Elysium. Um, again, they're doing the album, making the album that they wanted to make. This concept of an LA album it's not about chasing hits um, you think of the first track that we heard from that um, which was invisible which wasn't a single but it was like a, a, a preview track that came out with uh, with that fantastic video from the artist which I think uh, Brian Bress is, is his name um, and which just fit so well with the music, but I remember hearing that for the first time and think, this is the kind of sound that I really uh, like. Them, uh, that I, I just love that new sound that they'd uh, managed to make it sound... Clearly, Andrew Dawson was producing, but that sound, it sounded like something really quite special and different for them.
0: Yeah, I, I find it a fascinating album. I, I don't know whether or not it was my age... Uh but I don't feel like I was ready for it. I, I you know, it I just felt too end of the road. Everything, you know, almost like this mm-hmm. is our last album. Uh, uh, I don't know whether it was kind of my outlook. I was a kind of new father at the time and it just felt like things were coming to an end. And it, it just, to me, I, I get completely that it sounded different but it just didn't sound like Peer Shop Boys to me. It, this, this kind of glossy LA sound uh-huh. that I don't think I was particularly familiar with. I like that Kanye West 8 and Eight and Heartbeats" that album. Way. Yeah, I agree. Which, that was uh, fantastic. And you know, and I love "Paranoid" on there. Which, uh-huh. if I mention that song, then it'll make it onto our little play little playlist. That's but right. uh, I, I think that's a perfect pop song. Uh, but and I kind of parked it. I, like you say, I I, I heard that preview single of uh, of Invisible, and I was a bit unsure. And it was, you know, it didn't feel like it was trying to sell itself. And it was, I just, I just. I didn't get it and bought the album probably played it a couple of times wasn't sure and just put it on the shelf and, and 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 kind of forgot about it really and I think I think probably I built myself up there it was like right well that's time to move on I think there's this contract negotiations they're about to lose leave parlor Parlophone and it felt very much to me as if maybe this is the last bit of this maybe we are going to sort of pack it all in and, 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 and come in in a in, a, in a, a different format but you know but i did come back to it later and you know with a real kind of renewed appreciation of it and 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 i think the day that i put it on probably a good two two years after i'd 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 put it on the shelf it was just like getting a brand new album because i'd never really listened to it and all of a sudden it was like just this new kind of 12 track cds just landed and i uh, and it's been released and i'm listening to it and I, i just completely got it then so i don't know what that what that shift was, I don't know whether it was it was probably a kind of it's me not you type uh, yeah, scenario. Sure. It
1: just didn't fit with where you were uh, at yeah, in your life no, no, not at all. I, I think I mean it's interesting to thinking about it as again the end of a particular chapter of Pet Shop Boys so uh, you've got you know, I mean it even says it doesn't it, it starts with leaving, it's got this uh, Elysium title I mean it ends with a funeral so um, y- you've it, the things do feel like it's again readying for this pivot point um what, what do you have a favorite favorite tracks now you've warmed to it i find
0: it as probably again a little bit like behavior in that i find it's a a complete piece so you you put it on and, and actually listen yeah. to the whole album it's like a one you know a kind of a one track 45 minutes or a 45 minute so, uh, single really that it just all kind of flows together uh you know i like leaving i kind of i particularly like the believing psb mix of that i love uh-huh. those kind of off-key piano that's halfway through it and uh
1: it, it feels uh there's a little bit of a, a kind of beam boring reboot yes. to it and maybe lyrically that's something that they're trying to tap into that.
0: But no, what about yourself? What's your what track? So, that?
1: Invisible, That you know, that's in probably my top three tracks of all time. Um, I love a face like that. I mean, that's, it's almost like a precursor to where they went next with Electric. It would have been interesting to hear a Stuart Price version of that, but I love that with all the storm effects at the beginning. Breathing Space, I think, is particularly effect, affecting, um, really interesting. So we had Invisible, which... Um, almost up front, which almost wrong-footed things because next was Winner, which I think is really quite a, an odd song in their um, catalogue. Um, I was, always
0: wonder with Winner whether or not, and again, I've not seen anything, So, but it's it's obviously released around about the time of the Olympics. It does, and, and it sounds like that, doesn't yeah, it? It sounds and, like and a and cash-in. It, and it, Well, I wondered whether or not, uh, and I, I don't know whether I read this or again made it up but there was a almost an invitation for for bands to submit songs for the olympics so i think in the end they chose a song by muse to be the the song that when they handed the medals out or when you wondered if that was in the running and i wondered whether or not they wrote that song deliberately to, to 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 be to be sort of try and be
1: the claim the is Canada. that it's a it's about the Europe that is written for around the notion of a group entering the Eurovision Song Contest. Right. Whether that's um, true or not, I, I don't know. Again, with a lot as with a lot of their stuff, uh, I like in the same way that you were singing the praise of the ambient mix of Home and Dry. I love the Andrew Dawson mixes of Winner, um, which um, strip back yeah. some of that the um, production there, and I think that's a, a, a quite a a more affecting version of the song, which actually would have worked well on the album. So we arrive at another pivot point. So here they are again. They've done something that's you know, artistically satisfying. Maybe um, the fans, if, they, if indeed they care what the fans think, um, aren't, aren't quite as um, satisfied. Reviews, maybe mixed. Um, commercially probably wasn't setting the the world on fire and this is the point at which uh, as I'm arguing this is the third time that they returned (laughs) to their template you know and that's certainly what they did with with electric I think they they'd taken the starting point for that this Uh, iTunes review that somebody had written, which is they preferred their pet shop, in response to Elysium, they preferred their pet shop boys um, banging with lasers, and that probably chimed with where their heads were at as well, they were leaving Parlophone, Um, Electric came out so quickly on the back of, you know, it wasn't so much more, I don't think, a a year after Elysium, Uh, and this for the first time they they're electronic purists right up front they're talking about this is going to be a trilogy you know they clearly really clicked with uh, with Stuart Price Stuart Price let's not forget got disco for Christmas like many of us probably back in in 1986 that's his kind of year zero for Pet Shop Boys this the the disco um, original disco album that's his Pet Shop Boys template I always thought when they moved to this notion of a, a trilogy you know electric was part one I'm thinking Right, euphoric, eclectic, ecstatic, you know, I kind of had it mapped <laughs> out where they might might go with that. Um, you know, and is he's, he's going back to the core sound and to a real 80s sound, let's be honest. Um, it could be seen as a, retru- a, a retreat, but this is a real reinvigoration and it chimed maybe for the first time with what fans were we're looking for uh, in general not talking about myself specifically um but you know i'll make the point uh, you definitely wouldn't have had electric without elysium
0: we say it's what the fans wanted it's definitely what i wanted uh-huh. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh i mean like i say i I'd, I'd, I'd almost called it a day accepted they'd had a good run uh, and that should just sort of cherish what i have archive it and, and and then one evening sat on the sofa watching the tv i think my wife's on her phone, reading Digital Spy, if that's still a thing, and uh, it's just, oh, did you know Pet Shop Boys are releasing a new album and they're touring? And I was like, right, pause the TV. I was like, what is this? And there was a, there was that little thirty second clip of Access. I do remember that. And it's just, and I'm like, yes, I'm back in. This is the Pet Shop Boys that I like. Yeah, I'm here for this. And 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 that, and that was it. And I was back in. And I think that probably spurred me to go and dig out everything again. Probably. Dragged yeah. me to Elysium to start listening to that again, but yeah, this is this is this is my Pet Shop Boys.
1: Yeah, I, and I do get that. I think equally, Elysium and Electric are two sides of the Pet Shop Boys coin. I, I really would not want um, uh, one without the other. I think that's a real strength in the band—the fact that they can do two albums like that, so that are so different within such a short time frame—is uh, is, is something quite special.
0: I, I mean, I think that Elysium is. The one album that is truly unique in the in the catalog i think it actually does stand alone i think lots of the others have got lots of different elements but i do think that that actually stands out on its own as as a kind of something truly unique and, and original
1: so graham that's my case uh, for uh, thank you for humoring me by the way that's my case for behavior release and elysium as the most important albums in the catalog so they're the points at which they've you know, they've satisfied themselves artistically and effectively it's allowed them to be able to take stock and then recommit to the Pet Shop Boys sound and then they continue, you know, reinvigorated. And it's it's interesting to think where they might go next um, given that, the, that little model that we've talked about. So, you know, Super and Hotspots took the same Sonic palette as Electric but they spun it in quite different directions. Super's undeniably more unhinged. Um, Hotspot is calmer, subtler. It carries many of the hallmarks that, that maybe characterise these other um, softer albums. So, you know, are, are they going to pivot next or are they going to double down um, in, in terms of the, the electronic sound? The fact that we know now that James Ford's producing the next album and that for me still leaves it wide open (laughs) (laughs) so you think he's got his roots in Simeon mobile disco so that's you know electronic through and through um last shadow puppets which we know that neil particularly likes um and uh, in fact, that, I think that was the inspiration for the string arrangements that were on Yes, particularly. So it could be a band led record. They could use the, the Dream World band, could play uh, the same kind of role that the uh, musicians that Petro Boys were working with at the time of release were, were involved in that record. So it could be electronic, could be a band sound, could be a mix. <laughs> so are they going to go further out there have they already pivoted will they come back with another album in the mould of Please or Very or Fundamental and Electric I think the only thing that I would bank on is clearly Depeche Mode using um, James Ford as well for their new album you can safely bet that Pet Shop Boys will be, will be doing something different otherwise they wouldn't have used the same producer, they like to carve their own niche and I don't think they'd be repeating what one of their main contemporaries would be doing
0: uh, Absolutely, I think when you look through his discography uh, you know, there's, a, there's a wide variety of artists there which is it feels like a good thing a lot of different influences there I guess ultimately it's about the amount of trust that they give him and, and, and whether or not he's allowed to shape an album or whether or not he's Merely additional, produ- additional production like mm-hmm. uh, like Stephen Hague. I mean, looking through the the, the, the sort of songs and albums that he's worked on, he, he seems to get the album to produce after the one that I really really like. <laughs> so uh, so he would be worked with Friendly Fires. I he worked on the album after Pire, okay. Paya, Okay. Right. Uh, uh-huh. You know, which if I say Hawaiian Air, we'll put that on the playlist. But you know, that's a great album. I like that album. That's a very summery album for me. Uh, Arctic Monkeys again. There's been a lot of ch- chatter online about the uh, Jesse Ware Watch Your Pleasure album. Yeah, uh, That seems to have lots of producers, so I don't know which bit of that he worked on or which bit there. But, uh, you know, I really liked that new Arctic Monkeys album.
1: Uh, I like that. I mean, that could be, you never know, it might be through listening to that that they've specifically decided to work with him it's got the the strings on there quite a laid-back sound so y- you know i could imagine that being an inspiration last shadow puppets as we as we say i like um i particularly like everything everything who he's uh, james ford has, has worked with um so you know lots of um lots of potential certainly and lots of uh room for for further guesswork
0: and i think if it if it's got a song anywhere near as good as we are your friends then we're all gonna be we're all gonna be happy
1: oh, that is a good track. so to build
0: on your theory and the whole pivot thing I, I I wonder whether or not you know we've talked about this what is the point of the pivot and the maybe an opportunity to, to do something different and to maybe do what you want to do and uh, you know I, I wonder what role the dream world tour might be playing in all of this and, yeah you know I think We've sort of touched on it on some of the points that we've said, where you know around about the time of the pivot, there's usually a greatest hits album. So there is That's this true. kind of exercising of hits and clear that palette again, just so that you can come back with something completely fresh. And uh, you know, if you go back to the Dream World tour, I, I, I do feel that that was a kind of a proper indulgence of memories and just. Uh, Kind of this whole celebration of, of that 40 years that we talked about you know i mean even just down to the presentation of End girls which was effectively just the video but done in such a kind of cool modern way with those sort of split screen windows and just various bits of it and you know i guess with all these things you can only really judge that that pivot after the event but uh you know they're getting a lot of, you know, they're in a great place because of that tour. Yeah, There's a sure. lot of goodwill around the band. They're in a really, really good place. That to say, we're 40 years on, and you know, it's almost like everything set up. Lots of critical acclaim of the of of, of, of the last albums of the of Dreamworld. You know, they're you know they're probably the greatest sort of duo that have ever kind of released music. They're probably not far off being one of the most successful bands of all time. Uh, they're obviously never going to be go past the Beatles, but you know, it's they're in a really, really great place to be able to say, right, again, we can do whatever we want.
1: And it's interesting with Dreamworld, they've I think that's the first time they've really kind of um, mined their history in such an obvious way, and it was quite um, touching and affecting the way they they drew on that for for Dreamworld. I, I agree, and I had the similar thought. It does make you wonder you know what's the impact of them touring the world with the greatest hits will they feel that they've spent so long playing the hits that they'll e- have either unlocked the secret to essentially be able to make more of them will it make them want to write and make more big kind of bombastic classic pet shop Boys songs or will they be so truly sick of them that they really want to do something more out there and different so i still think it it's all to play for
0: absolutely you know i mean Probably hoping that they just go really back to basics and play really really small venues again that probably be my uh, that'd be my that'd be my hope I mean I was kind of lucky enough to be right at the front of Manchester Arena and you know it kind of didn't matter that there were 12,000 people behind me just yeah. to be able to be close and have all those songs was just was just great so yeah I'm I'm, I'm kind of up for it being stripped back but like I say we're, we're up for
1: anything really out yeah I agree completely <laughs> Just to tie things up and uh, go full circle back to uh, back to behavior. It's kind of ironic ironic that on how can you expect to be taken seriously? They've kind of mocked pop and rock stars that talked about you know generating longevity. Uh, they've achieved it. You know we're talking about uh, exactly that now, and they've done it on their own terms. I think that's it's quite unique for any band, but particularly. Uh, a, pop act you know that's working in essentially what's uh, quite a disposable genre and I think you know I like lots of bands but what they do is kind of transcend something that is merely you know something that I like or dislike everything that they produce you know I don't kind of even think about it on the same scale what they do is just hugely interesting and I think that's because ultimately they are you know they're great artists what they do is always interesting it's it's never boring i think you know we're agreed that we can't wait to see where they go next and we know wherever it is whatever they sound like it's going to be interesting
0: absolutely we were never being boring we were never being bored
1: that's great okay so thank you everyone that's helped us uh put this together today so i'll call out my friend paul who's helped with the music
0: uh two Connors that have actually been in charge of the deck today and uh, uh phoebe and portia who are uh Uh, knocking around somewhere helping out as well so that's it yep goodbye (laughs) goodbye